Joel chapter 2 is where we're at this morning. As we look, the last Sunday message of 2019, let me say one more time, we are about upon a brand new decade. Joel chapter 2, in looking at the last message of 2019, the last decade, really felt like the Holy Spirit this week kind of steered my thoughts toward this passage of Scripture. The title of the message is simply this, Finding Rest in Restoration. How many of you believe that God is a God who restores? That He knows how to restore that which has been lost? Joel chapter 2, I want you to look at this promise that God spoke through the prophet, I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. The great locusts and the young locusts, the other locusts and the locust swarm, all locusts. I will restore and repay you for those years that have been devoured and devastated by the locusts. You'll see a picture up on the screen because this was kind of the imagery that was in mind. Of trillions of locusts that had just come and fallen all across the land and brought great devastation. All of a sudden the prophet Joel begins to speak unto this picture and the next one. I will restore the years that the locust has come in and devoured. And so you'll see up on the screen a very lavish and rich tree that has been devastated by the locusts. If you go back to the prior image just for a moment, in biblical days and also throughout history, whenever there was a, a sign of locusts that were beginning to fall upon the land, as a natural disaster or as a plague, the people would take wooden sticks and begin to beat on pots and pans and to make a loud noise in order to try to drive off the locusts that were coming upon the land. And so you'll see the locusts, trillions of them coming upon the land, and you can overhear the Israelites taking these sticks and beginning to beat pots and pans to try to drive off the locusts to no such luck or no prevail. But later on in that verse, the prophet Joel would say, sound the alarm on my holy mountain. In other words, in the midst of the people beating off pots to try to drive out what the locusts were about to do, there was an alarm or there was a sound of both judgment and hope that would fill the hearts of the people that God himself would restore eventually everything that these locusts had devoured. How many of you believe that God is a God who restores that which has been lost? That he knows how to do that in his time. And he says, I will restore the years. In Joel chapter 2, chances are it wasn't a multiple year plague of locusts. Chances are what he was talking about was just one mighty plague that came upon the land. That would cause a ripple effect of many years of devastation. Understand what these locusts would do. They would wipe out the seed saved from the previous year, the harvest of the current year, and the seed that would be used the next year. And God says, I will supernaturally restore the seed saved from the previous year, the harvest of the current year, and the seed that would be used the following year. I will restore the years that have been lost by this one attack or this one devastation that came across the land. How many of you are grateful that in the midst of our natural circumstances, God is 
still supernatural and that his supernatural ability still triumphs over our natural circumstance. That's what he is saying here. But how does God do it? How does God restore years that have been lost? Well, here's one way. It's through the return to the Lord. Here is the amazing, fascinating thing about this book of Joel. Is that this devastation came through locusts. And it's unclear. It's written both ways. Was this an act of God in judgment because the people of God needed to repent? Or was this just a natural circumstance that God would use in order to fulfill His purpose? You read one passage and it looks one way. You read another and it looks another. It's unclear if this was a locust invasion that God orchestrated or if it was a natural disaster God used to accomplish his purposes. And through it all, listen, here was the call of God that went out to the people of the land who were experiencing this devastation. Regardless of whatever caused it, just return to the Lord. Here it is. Listen. They didn't have the self-help material that we have today. They didn't have coaches and counselors and podcasts that they could listen to whenever they saw something unfolding before their eyes that they didn't understand where it was coming from. The only thing that they had was the Lord. Now let me just go ahead and tell you, as we're heading into 2020, and boy, if we ever made New Year's resolutions last year, think about the New Year's resolutions we're making this year as we go into a brand new decade. And listen, I'm all about that. Make your goals, make your resolutions, but understand the heart of this passage and the heart of the church needs to be first and foremost at the centerpiece of my life. It is the Lord as we go into 2020. It is not my own goals. It is not my own self-help. It is not my will. Listen, may our hearts in this season just return to the Lord like never before. Because, listen, I'm sure there was bewilderment that also filled the land as the locusts came. I'm sure they looked up and went, is this God's judgment? Or is this natural circumstance? What is this? Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been in a season before where stuff has happened in your life and you're not quite sure how it all happened? Where you look at it and go... How much of this was me? How much of this was others? How much of this was just being in a fallen world? And you look up and the swarms of locusts seem to be filling your life and you're trying to figure out how in the world this all took place. Have you ever been in a season like that before? Okay, let me just go ahead and tell you. You have to be wise with your bewilderment. You have to be wise with those things and those areas of your life that leave you bewildered. Why? Because this is what I've discovered from my own life. Bewilderment will cause you to become wild. Whenever you have questions and doubt and confusion, if you don't return and come to the Lord with those things, listen, it will become a very slippery slope for us to fall away from the Lord. I know many people, listen, in the body of Christ who have fallen away from God because they cannot reconcile what is taking place in their life. And instead of going to the Lord, they leave themselves all to themselves, try to figure it out, try to fix it. And then, listen, bitterness begins to set in through bewilderment and we become bitter toward the things of 
of God and our heart slips away and we become a little wild. Have you ever known anybody who has fallen away from God because they can't reconcile the hard things of life? Oh, absolutely. You got to be wild. You got to be wise with your bewilderment. Here's the other thing that bewilderment will do it will cause you to live and dwell in an unnecessary desert. It'll cause you to live in the wilderness, the wilderness of despair, the wilderness of hopelessness, the wilderness of unanswered prayer and unanswered questions. And we fill our heart, listen, unintentionally with despair because we're not going to the Lord with the things that we don't understand. So where is square one? If you're looking back on 2019 and saying, man, I lost a lot. If you're looking back on 2019 and going, I didn't grow as much as I thought I would, or this was taken away, or this job didn't work out, or this relationship didn't work out, and now you're looking at a brand new decade, what is square one for you and I? I'm returning to the Lord and making sure that my eyes are upon Him, the one who knows how to restore those things that have been lost. How does God, listen, restore, we just return to Him. Listen, you can look at what has been lost and wonder, or you can look at what has been lost and wonder. You can wonder and worry, or you can wonder and wait. I wonder what God's going to do with this. I wonder how God's going to turn this into my good. I wonder. You know what the difference is? Listen, between W-A-N-D-E-R and W-O-N-D-E-R, one is with the Lord and one is without the Lord. I want us to get our wonder back. Why? Because listen to verse 26. You will have plenty to eat until you are full, and you will praise the name of the Lord your God who has worked wonders for you. How does God restore? Here's number two, and it gets a little bit deeper. Are you with me? I promise you we're going to end on a mountaintop. Just walk with me through the depths here just for a moment. How does God restore? Also through rending our hearts to the Lord. Look at Joel chapter 2 verse 12, even now declares the Lord, even in the midst of the things you don't understand, even in the midst of the darkness, even in the midst of the valley, even in the midst of those things that have been lost, declares the Lord, return to me with all of your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning, rend your heart and not your garments. Here is the reality, the people of God in the book of Joel, they would continue with their religious exercises. That the climate of that day, before the devastation, it was very much prosperous. And God's people would continue to fulfill their external duties unto the Lord, yet leave their heart out of it. And Joel comes back and goes, listen, we need to go ahead and put our heart back into the things of God, not just our actions. That we need to internally Come back to the Lord and rend your heart. Listen to how the Amplified Version of the Bible puts it. Listen, even now, says the Lord, turn and come to me with all your heart. In genuine repentance, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Now listen to this. Until every barrier is removed and the broken fellowship is restored. I need you to hear this. 
the barriers between us and God and even the barriers between us and others is what leads us into barrenness. And now in the midst of it all, Joel says, with all of your heart, rend it before me. Okay, let's get a little bit deeper. What does the word rend mean? Look back at the amplified version of this passage. Rip your heart to pieces in sorrow and contrition and not your garments. And when he says return to the Lord, what he's talking about is return unto me to a completed state. In other words, with your whole heart broken before me in desperation for my presence. Rend your heart. Okay? But listen also to what this word rend means. It means to enlarge and make wide. Now I need you to grasp that just for a moment. Because in the midst of the bewilderment, in the midst of the issue, what we do sometimes, maybe we don't fall away from God and live in deep, dark sin. But what we do, and it's very subtle, is we begin to close our heart to the things of God. And so when he says, rend your heart, you know what he is saying? Open up your heart and make it wide before me again. Enlarge your heart before me that I may have my way once again. That I might have space within you to pour my love into one more time. Enlarge your heart so I can show myself to being faithful. Enlarge your heart so that you can see with your very eyes what I'm wanting to perform with my hand. Enlarge your heart so that I have something that I can love on that you can feel as you walk through that valley. Rend your heart. Open it wide before me. Make your heart wide before God. Do not close your heart. Open it wide. Remember this. At the heart of every matter is a matter of the heart. Okay? Here's the key question as we go into 2020. The key question is not, first and foremost, tell me about the, the external discipline of your life that's going to lead you into greater levels of destiny. That sounds so infomercial, doesn't it? Tell me about the goals. Tell me about what you're going to do. Tell me about what your hand is going to set out to accomplish. The question, the starting point for the believer is not what you're going to do with your hand, it's the condition of your heart. It starts with the heart for the believer. Rend your heart and not your garments. Listen, a good starting point as you go into 2020 is to not set goals necessarily about what you're wanting to do first, but just allow the Holy Spirit to survey your heart. Is your heart really open toward God? Listen, listen, let's this year bring a soft heart before God and not a hard one. What's your heart condition like? Let's bring a forgiving heart before God and not an angry and bitter one. Let's bring an expectant heart before God and not a dull heart that has lost faith and expectancy in His goodness. Let's bring a trusting heart before the Lord and not one that has fallen into unbelief and doubt. Open up wide your heart before God. So one question would be, 
How do I know, listen, whenever I have opened my heart up wider before God? Thank you for asking. Because listen to the rest of the passage. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. How do you know when you're opening up your heart wider before God? Here it is. His character traits begin to flow through your life. Listen, when your heart is open and wide before God and soft before God, I'm just telling you, there is grace within you. There's compassion within you. You'll notice that the softer your heart is before the Lord, listen, you become slow to get angry. One thing we're going to talk about in Sunday school through road trip is road rage. And I'm going to tell you, there are a lot of believers with some spiritual, emotional road rage that is just right beneath the surface. Okay, good confession. Let me get my sin out before the new year. I was taking a left right up here. And that's a hard left to turn out of, right? You should just go to the light. But I didn't this one particular time, and I had to gauge my timing very, very carefully. And I pulled out, and I may or may not have accidentally cut somebody off. Thank God I didn't have a Nation's Church bumper sticker on my car at that time. And, and it, listen, it, to be honest with you, I've cut people off far worse than what I did this poor lady. It wasn't that bad. But I'm going to tell you, I was fearing for my life between the church and the racetrack. This woman, I mean, she was on my tail. She was beeping her horn. She was giving me signals that I cannot even do in church. It was, I could hear her through my windshield and hers. And I promise you, if I had continued to go to Madison, she would have driven right to Madison to let me have it. Okay. And I pulled off and I dodged her. And I set myself free. I got my blood pressure back under control. And as I was driving home, I promise you it was just a thought of the Holy Spirit. Where God just spoke to me and said, you have no idea what's just beneath the surface of people. Just beneath <laughs> the happy-go-lucky appearance that we often, just beneath the surface. If you just touch it the right way, bam! Open up wide your heart before God. And they'll let him supernaturally fill your heart with grace and compassion, slow to become angry, rich in love. What's right beneath the surface of your life as you're heading into a new decade? Don't start with the hand. Start with the heart. Number three, how does God restore? Receive from the Lord. Listen to this. God says... If you return to me with a completed state, in other words, your whole heart before me, then I will do five things in your life. And here they are. You need to write these down. God says return, rend your heart, fully return, 
Make sure that I'm the cornerstone of your life. Open wide before me. Give me room to work in your life. And five things will take place. Number one, I will send you new grain. I will send you new grain. Listen, for the people of God in the book of Joel, this was actual literal grain. This was about the harvest. They looked out and they saw a physical harvest that was being devastated. And God says, I will send you new grain. Listen to me. This is not blab it and grab it. This is not prosperity doctrine. This is not any of that. However, let me just say to you, I do believe God can restore in the natural certain things that have been lost from us. I absolutely believe that. But even beyond that, what about the emotional grain? What about, listen, the spiritual grain? The Bible says he supplies seed to the sower. So listen, when we make wide our hearts before God, God has space to deposit within us new things. We have space for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. We have room for God to speak to us. We have the mind of Christ activated for ingenious ideas and wisdom from heaven to help us navigate our situation. I will send you new grain, new thoughts, renewed vision, rekindled plans, and purposes for your life. I will send you new grain. How about this? I will drive out the northern army. I will drive out what has come into your life that has caused you to become barren. For them, it was locusts. But for us, listen, driving out can mean that God drives out of our soul the very thing that causes us to lose our peace, that he supernaturally helps us to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. May that which has robbed you in 2019 be restored to you in 2020. May it rob you no more. And as a result, listen, may fear be forever evicted from your life. I will drive out the northern army me. Here's another one. I will send the rain. How many of you are grateful for the Holy Spirit? How many of you are grateful for the rain? Specifically, listen, he says, for he has given you the autumn rains and the spring rains. The autumn rains were absolutely critical for the Old Testament Israelites. The autumn rains were the early rains. The autumn rains were the rains that came, listen, to prepare the soil and make it soft for the seed to go into the ground. God says, I will send you new rain. Hey, this is what I've learned about God. If I come before him with an open heart, he will pour out his spirit. And he will send autumn rain supernaturally that will turn the dry places of my soul into pools of living water. I will send the rain. It's not just the Holy Spirit. I'll talk about that in just a moment. Listen, it is the rain that comes at an appointed time. How many of you are grateful that God knows exactly what you need, when you need it, and he knows how to fulfill his promises as we wait upon the Lord, that he knows how to make everything beautiful in his time, and listen to this, Your struggle has not triumphed over his sovereignty. And God says, I've got an appointed time, an appointed reign for your season. Here's another one. I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. I've already shared that, but let me go on. It says, you will have plenty to eat until you are full, and you will praise the name of the Lord your God who has worked wonders for you. How will God repay us? Listen, by working his wonder 
into our situation. Now, I need you to grab a hold of this. To work our wonder, to work his wonder means this, that God will show himself as marvelous. That God will show himself as wonderful, and God will show himself, listen, to be surpassing and extraordinary. Now, listen to this. God will work his wonder. It means that God will do the extraordinary or hard or difficult thing that surpasses the devastation. In other words, when you look at that first picture and you see devastation, God says, return to me, rend your heart before me, and I will do exceedingly in my wonder and surpass by my goodness that which has left you devastated. The people looked at nothing but devastation. And God said, I will work my wonder. In other words, I will do on your behalf even the harder thing that you see. I will bring something out of this nothing. I will work my wonder into that. And my wonder will surpass the devastation. And lastly, worship team, come on back. I will pour out my spirit on all people. How many of you are grateful, listen, for a fresh touch from God? You know what I want us to do as we're heading into a new decade? Is before we get all ramped up about everything that we're going to do, everything that we're going to accomplish, I had a conversation with Hannah Grace on the way home the other day. What are our decade goals, Hannah Grace? And she's like, uh, graduate high school? <laughs> That's a good goal. You begin to think about the next 10 years of your life. I know this sounds elementary, but hear me as your pastor. I want us to start with the Lord. Start with the Lord. And when you bring your heart before God, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. How many of you are grateful for the Holy Spirit? You're grateful for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. How many of you are grateful that you can come before God in a worship time like we're about to have and the Spirit of God come upon your life and fill you once again? We call that the quickening of the Holy Spirit. That you could be sitting there in your seat, dry as a bone. But if you would stand before the Lord and open up your heart wide before Him, God says, I will pour out my Spirit. Can we one more time say as a church, it is not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord, that we need the Spirit of God moving in our midst. Can you stand with me? As we have started doing, we conclude our Sunday morning experience with a time for you just to connect with the Lord. We're going to sing through just two more songs. And my challenge for you as we close out 2019 Turn to the Lord and open wide your heart before God. Enlarge your heart before the Lord and allow God 
to just be God. You remember that old expression, just let God be God? Sometimes we need to get back to some of that simplistic truth of our faith. God, I'm just going to let you be God. How many of you would be willing just to worship the Lord with me? Just two more songs. Do you have that in you as we close out 2019? As I've said to you before, you can worship there at your seat. If you want to come to this altar, you can worship. But I just believe God is wanting to touch us this morning and maybe fill us and refill us one more time with His Spirit. Worship team, would you lead us? Come on, church.